Hey, this is Annalie Maley and this is Under the Surface. I would like to have the conversations about like performance, managing stress, anxiety, self-doubt, the whole bubble of identity and like who we are. It's Annalie Maley's Under the Surface. Hello and welcome. Happy Easter, everyone. This is Under the Surface and today, or tonight, we are interviewing a very, very special guest. We have Damon Lowry on board with us. Thank you for coming in, Damon. But Nelly, (laughs) (laughs) you have no idea how excited I am to be here. I really, I really, really love this because Damon and I, we have our own podcasts that we do <laughs> with each other when no one's listening uh, every time we get onto a plane. So last year in Singapore, when we were on our way to Singapore, we were in a row. Uh, I want to say it was row 38, I was but thirty-two. every time we talked about that chat that we had, the number changes. So it's row 75. <laughs> like every time I saw him, it was different. Row 46, the <laughs> conversations, <laughs> it was the best yeah, it was. And I, I just love that like every time we saw each other, it was like row 72. <laughs> and like we didn't really have to elaborate on that. That was just the end. But this time it was row 59. We, we made a distinct pact to look at the row because yeah. we knew we we're going to be talking for a long time. Exactly. And I think we've, we've already had a moment where like, was it 49? <laughs> we've already forgotten. Um, but yes, I'm very excited. For those who don't know Damon, we're going to get into a little bit about his life and everything that he's accomplished and continues to accomplish and then just about who he is as a dude. But um, I want to start by, Damon, give us a little blurb about who you are. For the people that don't know Layman Darren, <laughs> <laughs> which is his alter That's ego another, name. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is great because the amount of times that we talk, it's not like we talk often, mm. but whenever we do, they're great chats. Wisdom. They're always great chats. So, um, <laughs> look, I've been here for 30, I got in 89. Mm-hmm. What's that? 34 years ago. From Saginaw, Michigan. Came out to play basketball. Uh, stayed, obviously. <laughs> Became an Australian citizen. Did all that kind of stuff. And, um, yeah, just was hoping. Dabbled in some coaching after, my reti- after I retired. Worked jobs in the real world. Um, yeah, what are those? Yeah, real world <laughs> stuff. You, you got plenty of time for that. You don't yeah. need to worry about that. Um, so, yeah, that's, you know, I'm just a regular dude who's just enjoying life. I like that. I like that. I, I like obviously for the basketball people that are listening, Damon ha- played for Illawarra and had a, a very famous moment in his career. Come on, tell us about it, Damon. Uh, 2001. So the year that it was my first year in Wollongong. We were the Wollongong Hawks then, and I know they're the Illawarra Hawks now. But back then, um, it was my rookie year in the league. I was 33. <laughs> I was a youngin, <laughs> an old youngin. Yeah. And um, yeah, the Hawks had never been to the grand final before. Brendan Joyce, um, he actually brought me into Wollongong because he is my coach in Ballarat in the Siebel, which is now NBL1. And Brendan coached me for two years in Ballarat. We won championships both years. And he said to me, if you, if you naturalize and if I still got a job, I'll, I'll look at bringing you in. I was just like, hey, whatever. I'm just living in Ballarat, you know, just never thought NBL. I just thought it might have passed me. And, um, yeah, anyway, he brings me in. We had a good team. Not what you would call a, a championship. Uh, if you looked at us on the paper, you go, hey, what's he put together? Yeah. You know, we had Glenn Savile, who turned out to be a, <laughs> an icon, but at the time he was young. 
Matt Campbell, another icon at the, at the NBL, but at the time he was young. Um, rookie Axel Dench, you know, and we had a lot of veterans, like older veterans. Um, imports, not like the, the imports that come with really big, um, you know, big reputations. Yeah. Just meat and potatoes, you know, just yeah. hungry dudes. And Brendan just put us all together and we had a hell of a season and it culminated in the championship. We beat the Townsville Crocodiles. But in the semifinal, yeah, I hit three free throws to put us into the championship game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you can't just say they were just free throws. They were free throws that touched every single part of the ring. Yeah, yeah. They were, yeah, a lot of people thought they were lucky free throws, but I did that on purpose. Yeah, you just wanted to add a, add some spice to the yeah. game. And your dad <laughs> yes. was in that game. Yeah. Your dad, I didn't, you were, were you a twinkle? You weren't even a twinkle then. You might have been a little twinkle. What year was it? 2001? I would have. Yeah, I was three. You were three. <laughs> yeah. You wasn't at the game, though. No. no. I reckon I heard about the free throws before I even met you. That was probably something that dad was still salty about for, like, the first 10 years of my life. Like, that's one time this man, he hit three yeah. free throws. And look at and look at the path now. Paul Maley, <laughs> Damian Laurie, are my children and his children are mates, go to the same high school in Eltham. That's crazy. Small world. I know. It really is a small world. And before we get into your life now, I want to ask you a couple of questions about you as a youngin. Who was Damon Lowry as a kid? And, like, I, I, I don't know whether or not you want to answer this question. As like, I'll answer anything you kid. ask me. Yeah, okay, there we go. So kid is like a young kid right. in school. Right. Who was Damon Lowry? Insecure. Yeah. Scared. Uh, not scared for his life, but just no confidence. My father saw me walking home from school one day, and when I got home, he said, I saw you walking from the bus stop, and you had your head down, and it looked like you was carrying invisible suitcases. I didn't swing my arms. I didn't look up. And, uh, yeah, I just didn't have any confidence. You know, the school I went to, um, ninety, I would say 98% African American, right? And in our community, you could get talked about and taken a piss out of for the littlest thing, you have a bad haircut, everybody laughs at you. You got the wrong shoes. You got the wrong style. You don't have the right fashion. Um, you don't have a girlfriend. Um, you, you, you ride the bench on a basketball team. Um, you play, you bring the wrong food for lunch. It was a, it was total, oh my gosh, somebody going to talk about me. You know what I mean? So I was a little dude um, and everybody would take, make, make fun of me. They thought I looked like Keebler the Elf. I don't know if you guys would know who Keebler the Elf is, but it's like a cartoon character, had pointy ears. Mm. I had kind of Asian looking eyes and people kind of, people was taking a piss out of me a lot, right? So I had no confidence. So mm. growing up, I just was like, no big brothers. I just got a little sister. Um, I didn't run with a gang. I didn't have anything to really go, dang, was cool. Yeah. Nothing. So I just walked the halls, just there, you know. Just a quirky little insecure, <laughs> poor little Damon. Poor little Damon, <laughs> little Damon. with the little pointy He had ears. no swag, swagless. You know. Uh -huh. So anyway, that's just that's how I came up. So, at what point did you find sport? Then, like, at what point did that become a part of something that you did, or and did that help you kind of grow out of that little kind of unconfident dude, or what was that like for you? I always played. I just wasn't good. So again, I got nothing to hang my hat on. So. I, in the seventh grade, so junior high, seventh and eighth grade, we had a basketball team and his three team. I mean, 15 players on the team. Mm -hmm. I think it was a 32-minute game. And I was in the third string, which is you got your starters. That's first string. Mm -hmm. Second string, then the third. I'm in the third string. Yeah. I never play. Yeah. 
They gave me number 50 to wear. That was my singlet number. Now, 50 now I think is kind of cool to wear. Yeah. But back then, if you wore 50, that's like the back up to the back up sender's number. <laughs> yeah. All the cool dudes had 10, 11, 12. Yeah. 8, Damon 4, here, 2. Yeah. Damon, yeah. here's 50. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not playing. Yeah. My science teacher was this coach, so I didn't. he didn't teach me anything. I didn't learn anything. You know what I mean? I just was on the team. Eighth grade, I moved up to second string. No big deal. I barely played. Ninth grade, so now I'm in high school. So ninth grade, we got our varsity, which yeah. is like, you know, predominantly 11th and 12th graders. You could play varsity as a ninth grader if you was really good. Rare, though. Then they got junior varsity, JV. And that was for the ninth and 10th graders. And yeah. the occasionally 11th grader if he was a bum. <laughs> yeah. If you was in 11th grade and played JV, they talked about you. Yeah, you were one of those kids. <laughs> but no, because I was a freshman, a ninth grader, and I was in a ninth grade freshman team. Yeah. So if you're in a freshman team, it's like, yeah, he can't even really play. And I made the freshman team. How's this for a coach picking his team? He, ha he had the whole team come into the locker room. He says, when I call your name, you've made the team. Go out. So he's calling six, seven, eight, nine. Get to like the 14th dude. He goes out. I'm sitting there with two guys left. It's me and Mitchell Ezel. I'll have to describe Mitchell Ezel. Poor Mitchell. <laughs> he had nothing going for him in his life. <laughs> and I was sitting in there with Mitchell Ezel. And the coach looked at me like this. He was going, hmm, Damon Mitchell. <laughs> and he finally went, Damon, going out there. I was like, uh huh, made the team, yay. Yeah. Never played. Yeah. 10th grade. I make junior varsity, JV, but not barely playing. And this is when my life changed. 11th grade, they fired the high school coach and brought in another coach. And this coach to this day, this is my man. Yeah, my I yeah, you've told me about him. Yeah. Can I tell you how tryouts went for me? Please go. Tell me about this coach. When I tried out, before coach got there, yeah. and his name was Noah Wayne, but still a coach to me. Yeah. I'm in the 10th grade. I'm trying out for varsity, which is a joke. I knew I wasn't going to make the thing. So over the announcement during school, it's lunchtime. They go, morning students, uh, basketball tryouts, lunchtime, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I look at my boy, Henry, Hen. I say, Hen, man, we got to go try out. He's like, man, we can't make that team. I said, we got to try out. We walk in there. It's like 80 dudes in there. And to walk into our gym, you, you go past the cafeteria, and you walk in, there's these double doors, open up, boom, there's a gym. It's so American high school. This is such an oh, yeah. unheard of experience. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Continue. Me and Henry walk in there, and the coach at the time, Mr. Morris. Hmm. Mr. Morris looks at all of us and goes, all right, everybody on the left side, if you miss the left-hand layup, get out. This is tryout. This is the start of tryouts. I can't do a left-hand layup. I'm 16 years old. I can't do a left-hand layup. I can't dribble left-handed. So what do I do? Go to the back of the line. Me and Henry, who, who also couldn't do a left-hand layup, I'm thinking, man, with a bit of luck, 70 dudes will miss. <laughs> I might make mine. And I may, you know, I, yeah. can, I can advance. So when it got to me, I took a couple awkward bounces, laid it up, missed it, walked right out the double doors, and went and got some lunch. That was my tryout. And then Coach Reed showed up and changed my life. Yep. So I want I want you to elaborate on how did he change your life? Because okay. I want to go into that. Okay. You Norway, can't go into who you are now and the things that you're doing now yeah. without learning about who you were. You yeah. know? Anybody that knows me, like from back home, they know they know the influence coach has had on my life. My parents, my wife, everybody knows about coach. Coach actually came to Amsterdam for the 3x3. That's crazy. He met me there. So anyway, coach 
now it's the 11th grade year, I'm 11th grade, and it's summertime. So mm -hmm. he said, all right, we're gonna have practice. Like, people was interested in, in, in trying out for the team. I show up. My mother was a school administrator for like mm -hmm. 30 years. Everybody in Saginaw School District knows my mother. And coach's wife, my mother buddies. So anyway, I'm sitting up there and I'm trying to, you know, when you're insecure, you, don't, you ain't trying to be out in the open. You're trying to make yourself small, hey? Yeah, I'm trying yeah. to hide in the background. I don't want nobody to see me. What's Damon doing here? You know? Yeah. So anyway, coach looks up at me and sees me. He goes, hey, you Josie Laurie's boy. He, she, he said, you look just like your mama. He said, you're not very good, son. He said, the only way you're going to make this team is to play defense. That statement right there, A, I'm not very good. Yeah. What? I'm a lunchtime All-American. <laughs> what you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, he sees right through me. I'm looking around. This is embarrassing. But he was right. Yeah. And then he said, you got to play D. Because I, like, I couldn't shoot or dribble. I yeah. was just quick. So I said, okay, defense. Okay, that, I can, I can do that. You teach me. And I became really good defensively, and I made the team. And from that point on, he only coached me for two years, 11th and 12th grade year. We made the state championship both times. Played in front of like 13,000 at the University of Michigan. Just the biggest thrill. Then we lost in double overtime on the buzzer, so it turned out to be my worst moment. <laughs> but all that culminated in a relationship that me and Coach yeah. still has to this day. I spoke to him today. That's crazy. For like two hours. We, we talk all the time. That like player-coach relationship, right? Like, and you talk about like mentors and I, th I think that we lack that sometimes in the Australian system, like that mentorship, that bond that you have with a coach because there's so much turnover always. And I don't know whether or not it's just that it, it people don't allow space for it or like their mentor coach is often separated into two different people. How important do you think that was to building who you were but also like – how important do you think that is for people now to find that, like young kids listening, parents listening? What, why is that important to help a kid succeed in the sporting world? Wow, that is so – how long have we been here? Ten minutes and we into this already? <laughs> this, is, this is deep. It's so important because kids don't know. Like, who do you learn from? Your peers. Guess what? All my peers are knuckleheads. Yeah. What are they going to teach me? They're going to teach me how to do stuff bad. Yeah. So the problem is – the adults in the world, they don't like it when a coach takes that kind of uh, influence in your life. Yeah. My father, me and him don't have a great relationship. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's okay. You know what I mean? But it's not like he was coming to my training sessions, coming to, coming to my games. Yeah. He, he, was, he was working two jobs. He's he busy, right? So coach took me everywhere. Coach would ring me up. Hey, Pee Wee, that's my nickname. He calls me. Pee Wee. Yeah, like, Pee Wee, hey, man, check this out. Hey, Pee Wee, I'm going to come get you. I'm going to go to the movies. Hey, Pee Wee. Hey, man, I was reading this book. And he would always help me just to learn something. He started this relationship. And when it first started, my mother was like, why is this old dude calling you? Yeah. Like, this ain't normal. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, what's the problem? You know? And, and over time, like I said, we still talk to this day, but he was always teaching me something. It wasn't like we just was talking, hey, did you see that show the other day on TV? That yeah. kind of stuff. It was always some deep conversations that he would have. He was a parole officer. Yeah. He worked with at-risk, at, you know, kids who was in high just coming out of the juvenile system. Yeah. So he was always in that frame of mind trying to help youngsters. And he helped me. He taught me how to believe in myself when I didn't know how. And now I come to Australia, I find myself to, still to this day, I'm, I'm working on it, trying to not be like him with me. Yeah. Because I would hold every relationship to that standard. Yeah. Me and my coach. Me and, my, me and my coach did this and we did that. I come here and I was, I was trying that. But like coach said to me, 
He goes, it takes two to tango. Yeah. He goes, I did that with you and you accepted it. Yep. Everybody don't accept it. Yeah. And I got to do what I got to learn how to do is not force that kind of relationship on people, even because I know how valuable it can be. Yeah. But it ain't for everybody. But it's like a, it's like a, I don't know, revolving door almost. Like you had someone do that for you, right? So you've experienced the benefit that it can have and the way that it can shape you. And you as a person now, you have the ability to then uplift the people around you also. But sometimes like a, maybe the kid isn't ready to accept that. Or maybe it is a parent that's like, oh, I'm not sure I'm ready to accept that. And that like, it's, it's like a growth space. Like you have to allow room for, and when I say a kid, I'm not just talking like a young kid. I'm talking like a 18 to 24 year old athlete as well. Like, you know, speaking for myself, it's, there's a lot of people in my life that aren't ready to accept that type of wisdom or just like guidance in that space. And I think having a mentor or like coach, mentor, whatever you want to call it, it's all the same yeah. in the end. Like that is like so important in our growth because that's someone that's so outside of our uh, like immediate circle. You know what I mean? It's like it, when I go to practice every day, I have I have the the three girls that I talk to to my right and the two to my left and the coach that's right in front of me. Having a mentor that's separate to that space, I don't know, something about it just screams growth to me because it's someone that's able to see it from an outside perspective. Yeah. I just, yeah, I think that it's super, super important. They're, um, not, they're not emotionally in the trenches with you. Yeah. They, yeah. like you said, they remove, they can see it for what it is. Well, sometimes we get emotional. We, we make the, the smallest thing, the biggest thing. And he can sit on the outside. Well, actually, you, you try looking at it this way. I think everybody should have some form of mentor, even coaches, even adults. Yeah. Cause just cause you older, that don't mean, that don't mean you're an authority. Yeah. You might act, you might think you are, you might act like you're one, but where do you go to learn and get better? True. So. I think that's like a, it's something you have to continuously work on. And I, I mean, Again, I'm 24, but I think that wouldn't you want to be 34, then 44, then 54, and 64, like still wanting to learn and grow? Like, isn't that mm, part of it? Mm. And yeah, yeah, we're, we're getting there. I'm trying not to jump ahead because there is so many things I want to ask about. But so I guess one thing I want to touch on before we close that chapter of your life is when you talk about that he like taught you how to be confident in yourself, what did that look like? Like learning how to be confident and learning how to accept yourself what is that process like and what are some of the things that he taught you? He taught me how to work hard first. And he taught me how to be honest with myself. Like, yeah, I got nothing but examples. So, like I said, Give I, couldn't, an example. I couldn't dribble with my left hand. So, mm -hmm. he's from Detroit. So, Detroit, I'm from Saginaw, which is, I say, like 100 miles from Detroit. Mm -hmm. Detroit, he grew up in the inner, inner city. Mm -hmm. Like, Detroit. It's Detroit. You know what yeah. I mean? So, he would take us to Detroit to play in the summer league. We from Saginaw. It's like going from Ballarat almost to Melbourne. Yeah. So anyway, we get to Detroit, and these, Detroit got these hood dudes, like mm. for real hood dudes. And we're playing against them. And the whole crowd is yelling out, I'm wearing number 10. And Coach told me, man, you got to work on your game. You got to work on your handles. You know, he gave me a couple of drills, but I wasn't serious about it. Mm. I was just happy I was in the team. Mm, Settle for too low. Expectations were so low. Yeah. Anyway, the whole crowd yells out, number 10 can't go left. Can you imagine that? That don't happen in Australia. Actually, I've had that happen to me one time. Really? <laughs> did they, what did they say? Annalie can't go left. Well, it what? was it was Annalie can't shoot, and the person guarding me stood in the keyway. Ooh. <laughs> I got baited like that. I know. Continue, but yeah, I, just, I showed them. <laughs> there you go. This 1984, and I'm sitting there going, "How they know? Yeah. How do they know I can't go left? Yeah. So, coach is sitting on the sidelines, and I I try to do my usual trick. 
go left, come back right. Yeah. He knew it. Still, layup. Coach, I get the ball out again. Exact same thing happened three times in a row. I'm not joking. Now, the fourth time, in a, like, the crowd's laughing. Yeah. Like, number 10 now is a joke. Yeah. The four man takes the ball out, gives it to me. I give it back to him. That is the ultimate in defeat. Yeah. I didn't even fight. Yeah. I didn't even try. I quit. I gave it to Steve, who took the ball out, and coach yelled out from the sidelines, give it back to him. He got to learn. I was like, wow. He didn't try to protect me. Yeah. He didn't try. You, you got to face these demons. Yeah. He did not try to go, hey, Eddie, you come and get the ball. Other guard. Nope. You need to experience all that this is because you won't work on your left hand. Yeah. So when that game finished, and I'm just like, I'm an emotional mess now. He looked at me and just went, you ready to work now? I was like, yep. Now, he let me hit rock. We don't let kids, we don't let youngsters hit rock bottom no more. No. Because we got to protect them. Yeah. We got to massage them and, and keep them safe. Yeah. Coach like, nah, man, this is how you got to learn. So that whole summer, left hand, left hand, left hand, everything left. Mm -hmm. I go back the next year. Now, it's my senior year. We go back to this, that same gym in Detroit, exact same team, exact same dude. He sees me. I'm still wearing number 10. I'm number 10, but I'm a different, different number, 10. number 10. And I came yeah. down. I was like, ha, ah, ah, ah. I was like, ah. And yeah. then now coach yells out, okay, you ain't got to show off. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, love so that's that. what, so he taught me to be honest with myself. Yeah. Put the work in. And then he just kept going. And he would never let me relax. That's another thing. Yeah. So now I get to college. I had yeah. no business going to college, by the way. I was just learning how to play. Yeah. But he, he got me a school. He yeah. found me a college to go to, and I had my first 30-point game. I was so proud. I brought back the VHS tape. <laughs> a VHS tape, for those listening, is a little <laughs> – so, Insert a picture on the overlay. Yep. <laughs> so I said, Coach, check it out. Went to his house. He puts the videotape in. I'm thinking he going to praise me. Yeah. You know what he said? You come back right on all your moves. As soon as you play against somebody smart, they're going to figure that out. Get that same move going left. I was like – he will not let me just bask in the glow of yeah. something. Keep getting better. These are the things he taught me. And over time, my confidence grew. And it kind of ingrains in you, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's something that I say often when like this, this concept of hard work, right? It makes you feel better about yourself. Like if you know that you spent hours in the gym and you know that you've been doing that, I know that I've been lifting heavy. I'm going to feel more confident to do these things in a game. And that's this, that's, I would say, if we're talking strictly basketball talk, that would be my step one to those. Like I get so many messages all the time from younger girls who are like, oh, like when I train, like I just... I just feel like I'm I'm not ready to do this or I really want to try this. And it's like, actually, I mean, the confidence you will get from off the court putting in the hours, mm. that's going to be the thing that will even just propel you to try first. And then, you know, there's a lot of mental game that comes in it from there. But that that body of work you put in behind, that propels you to try first. And exactly. I think that leaks into other areas of life too. It's not just basketball, but like it's a good example for like you build that. It'll give you great step one. And it doesn't mean that, like, there's so many other facets that we need to work on yeah. at the same time. But the hard work thing, I mean, it's just uh, – it also makes you feel good. Like, I don't know, something yeah. about doing something that you've worked so hard on. Like, I bet you when you saw that guy again and he was expecting you to go back to your right and you were like, stay on my left. Exactly. Like, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. See, it's easy for you to say. It ain't easy, probably. But you a hard worker, though. Yeah. So that, I'm not surprised that you say something like that. You got – I'll say to people, me and Coach was talking about you today. Yeah. He said, damn, Pee Wee. 
Number 24, I said, Coach, you got the work ethic of three people. You get you put three normal people over here. I'm taking on the league because that's the that's about the that's now it's kind of fair. But yeah. that's but but what about a person who isn't used to working hard? What about that person? So I've actually like I've got some people in my life like that because like so me and my brothers we're wired really differently. You know my older brother he's he's wired to kind of just kind of relax and let things come to him because that's you know a complete opposite to me right. So I'm on one end of the spectrum being like I got to work harder, I got to play harder, I got to try harder. It's not just basketball; it's school. If I do more, then more will happen. And then he's on the other end of the spectrum that gets a bit scared, so just kind of lets things happen. Now, something for him recently, it's it comes out of routine that he it, people that are perceived as lazy mm. aren't lazy 90% of the time. It's just a fear behind it, right? Mm. So, stripping that back and having him be like, "Oh, I'm not actually lazy. I was just scared of trying this and then creating routine." You'll see people thrive in the right environment yeah. and they'll realize that they, they're not, you know, being a hard worker is not something you're born with. It's not a talent that you're born with working hard. It's a mindset, right? And these people just have never given themselves the opportunity to fall into that. And because everyone's wired differently, people's paths to get there look different. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that they're not capable of it. Like I look at my brother and I know he's capable of amazing things. I watch him do amazing things every day just in his general life. Yeah. But because he's not wired the same way that I was, his way of getting there, completely different. Yeah. But it doesn't mean people aren't capable of it. That makes so much sense. We don't take the time to find out. Yeah. But we'll just go, ah, he didn't pass the eye test. See yeah. you later. Next. Yeah. Or that person just, or like what people say is like, oh, they just don't have it. Everyone's got it. Some mm. people have it more than others. Some yeah. people have that grit and that determination, that drive. And, you know, we'll talk about what motivates that. But it doesn't mean that people aren't capable of it. 90% of the time, they just don't know. Mm. They just don't know they're capable of it. And I know that's a generalization. I'm aware. Yeah. But I, I guess I'm moving on to this, this next this next part, we talk about you as a basketball player and in college and whatever and like kind of growing into the person that you are. Post-basketball, right, post-basketball Damon, before we get into current Damon, when your career finished, what was that like for you in terms of like having basketball be such a huge part of your life for such a long time and then you closed the door on that? What did that look like for you? Um, my last My last game – is in Townsville. I was playing in Townsville Croxton. I was impersonating a basketball player the whole year. Like I just, ero my confidence eroded. Like I wasn't the same. I wasn't a Wollongong Hawk Damon when I got to Townsville. Um, got hurt. Um, different style. Um, different roster. Different. Everything was different. Yeah. And it didn't. It didn't suit me. I tried. I, I, I tried. I just. I'm 38 now, I think I was, 37 or 38. And like, that's it. It's, it's, I know it's coming. You know what I mean? So I was already thinking about, I got to get a job when I get back to Melbourne. I got to, you know, basketball. I had a good run. I didn't think I'd last this long. So when we played that last game, I'm pretty sure it was against Cairns too. Uh, I just stayed in the locker room and just cried. I just put a towel over my head and go, up. Oh, that's the career. You know, not too bad, I guess. But, you know, hmm. anyway, I go back and I started playing state league and, you know, just to kind of keep active, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't anything like what I would call real ball. Yeah. Not real ball. You know, it was it was good ball, but it was like, I'm done. I'm in my 40s. I'm still hanging around. And, uh, you know, them late night training sessions in July. Yeah. Half your team don't show up. It's just like, what am I doing? Yeah. You know what I mean? So I walked away from it 
And I was like, you know what? It's out of my system. I think basketball is out of my system. So as a player, I just thought I achieved. I think I thought I overachieved. Um, I think, well, what if I'd have gotten to the NBL when I was younger, when I was really kind of quick and I was more athletic? Maybe I could have. But no point playing that game that, that could have, would have, should have, if if was a fifth game. So that was just it. So doors closed. I just moved on to the next thing. What? But those what ifs, right? Did they play in your head often as you were closing that door per se? Like, how did you battle that thought of like, oh, what if I was, you know, I got in when I was younger? Did that did that consume you at any point or you just had somehow left that there? Nah, because I grew up, my mother used to always say, if if was a fifth, we'd all be drunk. A fifth is like a gallon oh, over okay. here. Okay, yeah, yeah, gotcha. And if I said, well, if I, if I had this or if I had that, if I was six foot three, if I was, my mother said, if if was a fifth, we'd like what you? Why, why are you wasting your time ifing? Yeah. So if was never a part of who I was. So I knew when I played NBL, people thought I was quick. I was. I used to be quicker than that. Yeah. Um, does that mean I, I was an NBL player back then? That that doesn't mean that. I'm just saying I had more physical attributes. Yeah. You caught me at 33, and I had to kind of work hard to kind of stay in shape, and yeah. you know. Um, so I didn't. I didn't. I didn't really trip on the fact that. Yeah, I wish I'd have had a go when I was 24. I might have had a longer career. I say, like, I'm not going to be greedy. I got more than what I thought I was going to get. Yeah. So that's gratitude. Okay. I was like, wow, I got an NBL. Because I thought I was going to be in Ballarat until I was 40. Yeah. I had a house, had a job, got a great support system. In-laws live around the corner. I was like, hey, Ballarat, I'm just going to play Siebel until, you know. Yeah. And then when the NBL came, called, I was like, oh. This is a bonus. Yeah. That's how I looked at it, a bonus. I'm here for a good time, not necessarily a long time. Yeah. Okay. And did that ever, like, did you ever think, and maybe this is like something that you thought about later, but did you ever think that like that whole, like your potential, do you feel like you operated within your greatest potential in those years that you played in the league? And has that been something that you've reflected on? Or is that something that now you kind of focus on? I'm focusing on my potential now, not my potential back then. That falls under that kind of barrier. Yeah, I didn't max out. Yeah. I didn't max out when I was at Wollongong. I played my best basketball at Wollongong. Brendan Joyce had a way of bringing out the best in me. He always put me in situations of my strengths. Yeah. I was the smallest guard in the league. And he could protect me on defense. He could put certain plays in, certain systems where I could thrive. Um, not that he would run any snatch sets, but like I, I might have had a one for a flat play, yeah. depending on the situation of the game, you know, pick and rolls. I had that kind of stuff, um, but I didn't max out. I didn't shoot the ball that well. I've never been a good shooter. Yeah, I was a guy that would shoot. Yeah, like I thought I could make it. Yeah, and you better not leave me open because I'll shoot it. But <laughs> yeah. I wasn't. I didn't work on my jump shot like I probably should have. Yeah, especially off the dribble out of my right hand. I I got better as I got out of the NBL by attacking the weaknesses that yeah. I should have been attacking when I was there. Yeah. But see, you know what happens? When you're there, you think you're there. Yeah. I'm in the league. Yeah, I'm at the club. Where the drink cars at? Yo, we just we just went 21 and 8 for the season. I'm in the great. I, I got a chip already. Yeah. You know what I mean? I didn't have the it's same. Different. I mean, I still played hard, but I didn't attack my weaknesses. The way you, you do now. Yeah. Like now, it's this is my lifestyle. But even back then, the league, I don't think anybody forced me like the dudes in Detroit did. Yeah. The dude in Detroit made me go left and, 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 and isolated me and exposed me. Yeah. In the league, you know, dudes want to pick me up full court, 
you know, I, my ball screens wasn't getting trapped. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just, I came off the bench. I, I wouldn't have been at the top of anybody's scouting Scout report. List. You know what I yeah. mean? So not that you need that, but that would have really forced the issue, I thought. Yeah. I get that. Mm. I get that. All right. I'm ready. I'm ready to talk about the missions. Estas listo? <laughs> so Are you ready? I am ready for the missions. So for people that don't know, Damon. What are your missions and what explain explain them and maybe just give us a little a little blurb. Thank you for not saying challenges. <laughs> Thank you for that. They are missions. They are missions. The difference you ask between a challenge and a mission? A challenge is something that you try to do. Mm-hmm. A mission is something that you have to do. Totally different. Yep. There's no gray area when it comes to missions. So I was playing one-on-one with my boy, you know Ash. Yep. Ash Breyer. And we was playing, and like Ash is 20 years younger than me, maybe 19, whatever. And this particular day, we was playing one-on-one at the Eltham Leisure Center. What we normally do, go nine games of one-on-one, first to five. And I'm not better than Ash, by the way, but I would play the full nine games. This particular day, I quit after like three games. And it's funny because the way I said it, I knew it was bad. Mm. When I knew I was so exhausted, I couldn't play no more, I remember going, Say, hey, Ash, um, I'm not going to be able to continue. <laughs> he looks at me like, what? What do you mean? I was like, um, if I was to continue, I probably could pass out. <laughs> He's like, you quitting? Like, I was like, it was, it was the lowest point. Yeah. It was Detroit all over again. Uh. It was the end of my NBL career. All rolled up into one. I got home, said to my wife, said, I said, Lisa, I just quit. I said, when did I go soft? When did that happen? Oh, you're 45 or 46. You know, you, Ash is 20 years younger than you. I was like, no, 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 no. You're missing a point. I quit. So as that happened, I just had started. A mate of mine told me about David Goggins. Ah. The mm-hmm. Navy SEAL, the former Navy SEAL, arguably the toughest man walking earth. He goes, man, you got to get this book. So I get this book and it's called Living with the SEAL actually by Jesse Itzler, about David Goggins. Yeah. Read the book, and I was like, ooh, oh, that's the blueprint. Oh, you got to suffer. Oh, and so all this, I said, okay, I'm going to have a mission. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start, this is it. As everybody says on January 1st of every year, <laughs> that's it. Now I'm getting serious. <laughs> I still got the video of my little chunky ass running no. around the oval <laughs> five times. I was like, I'm going to do this every day. I'm going to go up a lap every day. Yeah. And that's how I kind of started. And then the things that I learn about myself during a mission is just, I just have epiphanies. Yeah. So what was your first, that was your first mission was just running around an oval every day? Like I started with five laps of the oval mm-hmm. and I would say it was January. So I'm going to go up a lap every day and then I'm going to do 10 chin-ups Yeah. and go up 10 for the month of January every day. This was now, 2020? 2021. Okay. So we're in lockdown. Everybody, I'm working from home. I got time. Yeah. So six laps, seven, next day, eight. I remember when I got up to around 15 laps, I was sitting, I was going to bed early. My body's like, what is this? Yeah. What, what's going on? I was, stuff was hurting. I remember calling my buddy in Ballarat E. I said, man, how the hell am I going to run 22 laps tomorrow? Yeah. How am I going? I don't know how I'm going to do it. And eventually I would just kind of keep going. Next yeah. thing you know, so. By the time it finished, I think the last day was like a 35-lap day, mm-hmm. which I think worked out to be about 12 Ks. Yeah. 12 and a bit. 
So it's interesting because like you said it a little bit like, oh, how am I going to do this? I don't know how I'm going to do this. And I remember having this conversation with you when we were, you, you had just completed some sort of mission. We were talking about when you have that initial thought, oh, I don't want to do it. You have to do it. You just have to do it. If you are lying in bed and you think, oh, I really don't want to get up and do it, you have to do it. Mm. The moment I don't want to do ba 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 comes out of your mouth, you have to do it. Exactly. Tell me why. Because them your demons. Because we're wired for comfort. Mm-hmm. We're wired to be comfortable. Can you just turn the heater up? A little bit cold in here. Can you turn the heater down? It's a little too hot in here. Can I get a glass of water? It's supposed to be dry. This shirt don't fit. Can, you, can I get a smaller size? My short. Everything is about comfort, right? Yeah. As soon as you remove comfort from people, yep. they freak out. Yep. And the real character is exposed. Mm-hmm. And that I found out is called emotional resilience. Yep. I didn't have that term in my mind before. It was physical toughness, mental toughness. That was it. And I was physically tough. I was mentally tough. And physically tough is, yeah, I can do this. Yeah, ooh, ooh, I can take that. Yeah. Mentally tough is, yeah, I can. I don't have a problem thinking about that. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying. I, yeah. I get it. But emotional toughness, yeah. emotional resilience, now we're talking. Yeah. Because when you don't want to do something, them your emotions. Yep. I don't want to get up. It's too cold outside. It's too wet outside. Mm-hmm. My shoes, my feet hurt. That's emotional, right? Yeah. And we cave to that desire. Yeah. So that desire is what made me quit. Against Ash. Yeah. Because I didn't want to keep pushing. You know why? Because it hurt. It hurt. It hurt physically. Yep. And I was like, I can't deal. I can't deal. I had no resilience. I couldn't tough it out. I couldn't take them ass whoopings for another four games. (laughs) I quit. So now, here's another thing. Because of our strong desire for comfort, we don't make decisions. I can hear it in people's language all the time. Hey, what are you doing? Yeah, I'm thinking about doing this. Well, maybe I'll do this. You know what? Probably one day I go, are you going to do it or not? Yep. Like, how come you won't make the decision? I noticed that. So here I am. I'm trying to concoct a devious mission. Yeah. I'm trying because January finished. February, my body's cooked, but I need something for March. I'm Mm -hmm. sitting here thinking about tough stuff. I was like, man, don't do that. That's too hard. I was like, what? Who said that? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Who said that? I said, oh, they're my demons. They don't want me to do it. Yeah. What? I have to do it. This has been happening all my life. There's that voice that Mm -hmm. says, be careful. You might hurt yourself. You're too old. Take it easy. Go slow. Why don't you wait for the... I was like, that's what makes me hesitate to make a decision. So now the number one thing is make a decision. Say it. Say it out loud. I'm going to do it every day. Yep. So now once I've said it, yeah, now I got to police it. And this is what happens. See, that's, this is the difference with a mission and a challenge. If you say I'm going to do it every day, I'm going to challenge myself to do this every day. And then you take a day off. It's like, eh, I, I'll start again later. Yeah. Nah. You ever hear those people when they talk about a goal that they're setting or um, say person X says that they want to go to the gym every day or they want to eat healthier every day. But if this happens, it would be okay. They like allow yourself shortfall i guess like so i'm gonna eat well this week but if on sunday grandma makes this i will eat it and that won't disrupt this said plan that i have being in a mission and holding yourself to that tell me about the hardest day that you've had in one of your missions or some of actually you've told me about a few of your hard days tell me about one of the stories you have where people can really understand what emotional uh resilience 
you had to go through and physical and mental, maybe one of those stories with your little carry bag on and one of those, like, what was that moment for you? Yeah. So many of them. Um, when everything started to hurt, right? Like there's one thing of being sore, but then there's actual some serious pain. Like say, for example, I, I had some strain in my calf. I got to go up a hill. This, this particular mission, I had to run up this hill and I had to go up a lap every, every other day. And I was wearing a 20 kilo vest. Mind you, I was going to, the other day I was running 15 Ks with no vest. Mm-hmm. And I initially said, why don't you run the 15 Ks with the vest? And you know what? I said, oh, you don't want to run up the hill with the vest. Now you got to run up the hill with the vest. And that's how you structured it. So now I hurt my calf. And I'm thinking, did I just tear my calf? Is it torn? I was like, oh, man, it's hurting really bad, right? So what do I do? What do I do now? Here, here you are, Damon. Maybe you should go home and have a look at this calf. Maybe you should go to the physio. Maybe you should go to the doctor. I don't know. It's something ain't right with it, though. I said, now I got to finish. There is yeah. no not finishing. And you know what happened? The body adjusted. It adapted. I learned. I was tippy-toeing up the hill, and I was this, and I was just kind of, I crouched down low, and all of a sudden, I found a, a way to run yeah. that didn't completely. <laughs> Strain. <laughs> and I said, I'll worry about this later. Yeah. And you know what happens after you do that? You get stronger. Yeah. It's like, ah, that calf couldn't hurt me. You thought that was going to take me out. Now look, I, yeah. did I just do that? I surprised myself for what I could achieve. Oh, then I'm thinking, oh my God, what have I been leaving on the table all yeah. these years? Um, they say that growth happens in the uncomfortable, right? Growth never happens in the comfortable. Yeah. Growth never happens in the No. Comfortable. Like when you are put in situations where you're out of your comfort zone, that is the only place you can actually grow. The only place. Otherwise, like you're in this little bubble and you're kind of hitting little edges mm. and you're kind of like, oh, I'm trying, but boop, like that's what I hit. <laughs> and I guess like for for you, so people can understand the magnitude now of the challenges that you've had, what has been your last three missions? Let me back up to the triathlon mission. Yeah. I had to do – I've never done a tri- triathlon before in my life. Mm-hmm. I said I'm going to do ten of them. No, it was eight of them, I think. Eight of them. So I didn't in one, in one month? What was your time? In the like? month. Yep. In the month. Everything is monthly missions. So I had to go buy a bike. I don't have a bike. I haven't rode a bike since I was probably 10 years old. Yeah. Swimming. I haven't swam since I was eight. I know how to swim. My aunt taught me how to swim. And I actually called her. I hadn't spoken to her in a long time. I said, Ollie. She's like, Damon, is that you, boy? <laughs> I said, yeah. I said, guess what? I'm back in the pool. I said, but I'm struggling. She said, what you mean? Boy, I taught you how to swim. I said, I was eight. (laughs) (laughs) That was 47 years ago. (laughs) Anyway, I get in the pool. I went and got a membership. So now I got to run 10 Ks. Mm -hmm. Sorry, the first is a one one and a half K swim, Mm -hmm. 40 K bike, 10 K run. I got to do eight of those. And I'm on time because I was doing some weekend stuff with NBL. So I had, I couldn't be messing around. My back goes, so I'm on, I'm on K25. Mm-hmm. I go into the little toilet block to fill up my water bottle. I lean over, back goes out. <sighs> Took my breath away. I was like, <gasps> yeah. I was like, <sighs> first thing that came to mind was the mission's compromised, but ain't no quitting. Because yeah. now I'm like, and I joke, and my wife don't like when I joke like this, but I say, they'll find me here. Yeah. Because <laughs> I ain't leaving. Yep. I get back, I pulled the bike down inside so I could get my leg over it. Uh, I get on it. And I'm like, I got 15 more Ks. I get mm-hmm. that done. 
The hill to get home is like this. I get off the bike, I walk the bike up the hill, <laughs> get it home. I lay down on my back in the cave. I'm laying there and I can't move. I can't move. Like I'm in, I'm in spasm. I, any, I'm laying, I'm going, no. The mission can't die like this. No. Yeah. I said, rise, Damon. <laughs> I say it out loud too. I talk to myself all the time. Yeah. Rise, Damon. Mm-hmm. Do you know how bad you have to be to get up from this situation? Look at this, man. This is the perfect cop out. Everybody would understand. Yeah. Oh, well, Damon, that's okay, man. Your back went out. You got to dodge your back. Nope. I rose and I got out there and I just shuffled them 10 Ks. And with each K, I get closer to 10 yeah. and I would get stronger. I go, oh my God, look at you, man. Yeah. So you know what I mean? So that 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 is what emotional resilience in action looks like. Yeah. But it's also the language I use. Yeah. Talk to me about that. Cause I like when when you for for outsiders first hearing about this stuff, they'd be like, man, this guy's crazy. Like, look what he's doing to his body. How does these physical physical like challenges that you face like your back spasming or um running through pain and all that stuff how does that help you emotionally and mentally Mm. give me the correlation okay and first let me go back and answer your question because i didn't answer it my last mission was i had to run with my weight vest 25 kilos around my block and you see my block you've seen that hill I got to go do it once and every other day I got to do it at a lap. So yep. eventually it was going to be 12 of them. Yeah. That's what 25 kilos. I've never carried that much weight. The other days I had to run a half marathon with 20 kilos. I've never ran a half marathon with that much weight. The previous was 15 kilos. I was like, I'm going up five. Yeah. And then, cause we had Singapore. Yeah. I said, I'm going to run a marathon when I get to Singapore. So my back is just like, you know, by the time I got to like, Lap six, I'm already, I'm squirming. Yeah. I'm like, oh, this weight vest is like, oh, it's tearing skin off my back. I'm wearing two shirts underneath it and it's, I got to be at work too. Yeah. <laughs> I got There's a, that I, too. I got a job in the real David world. David doesn't do this for nah, full gotta, time either. I like, got So I got to get up at four o'clock in the morning yep. so I can be, get ready for work by 7.30. I just like to pause and saying, I've been encouraging him to make a TikTok where he uh, vlogs about his missions <laughs> and everyone's not in their head because they think it's a great idea. But continue, continue. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so that was that previous mission mm-hmm. and it finished in Singapore and you saw me, we, we had the team meeting yeah. and I went out and, you know, running. So anyway, um, what happens when the body hurts? Is pain, physical pain, shocks you. Yeah. Emotional pain is devastating too. Oh my God, emotional pain. Oh, what? That's, that's, my heart's broke. Oh, that's emotional pain. Yeah. That hurts. But that don't affect my legs. Yeah. Mental pain, oh, how am I going to be able to, ah, stressing out. That hurts too. <laughs> Doesn't affect my legs. Yeah. Physical pain. I got a cramp. Yeah. That hurts. My shoulder blades are inflamed. Mm-hmm. There's no skin on my left sh- shoulder blade. Yeah. There's blood there. My toenail, my feet, my feet hurt so bad, honestly, to stand still and not move hurt. Yeah. I was just like, I got to get off my feet. Yeah. That physical pain I noticed really shocks the system. I was like, oh, it puts doubt in your head straight away. Cause you yeah. know why? I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. I'm physically. Not just uncomfortable. I'm in a extreme discomfort. I want this to stop. Yeah, because then that, that's our first. That's our first thought, right? Is like it's it's stop. 
It's stop. Yes. Why? I just don't. Because we don't like it. We yeah. don't want to be uncomfortable. We damn sure don't want to be in pain. Yeah. Can you stop this, please? Let go. That hurts. Mm-hmm. Now I go, ah, physical pain. Welcome. Yeah. And then I visualize a physical pain being. Mm-hmm. And I visualize him kicking my door in. Boof. What's up in here? Yeah. What you doing? This physical pain. You yeah. scared, huh? Yeah. And I go, hey, physical pain. Yeah. <laughs> here come, it is. Let's, hey, let's talk. Yeah. Let's go. So I sit there and I go, okay, I got to change. Now I got to be able to focus. I got to go somewhere else. So instead of thinking about, oh, my God, I got another 25 Ks to do. I was running. Eight, oh, sorry. The other mission, I had to run 80 Ks twice. Yeah. And I ran 76 of those Ks on my street. Just. And I'm in agony. But each K, I'm thinking, how am I going to run another? Yeah. How am I going to get? And I would just go, see that tree over there? Get to the tree. Yep. Get to the tree. And go, yes, turn around. Get to the house. And then I would notice my legs. Even though I'm feeling all these emotions, yeah. I look down at my legs and go, they're still moving. Yep. They're fine. Mm-hmm. It's the emotions that ain't fine. But doing missions like this, calluses makes my emotions harder. Yeah. So now it's going to take a whole lot more discomfort to really rattle me. So I'm yep. thinking, what if I could do that? What else could I do? Yeah. I'm going to keep upping it. I'm going to yeah. find out. So how did you change your, your, that mental, that mental monologue, right? Because we all have it. Everyone, like everyone has that little voice in their head that tells them to stop doing stuff when it gets hard or to, that tries to give you outs or it just talks to you while you do day to day life. Right. How, and cause also this, this comes into like the negative self-talk too. Like it's such a negative place in people's heads sometimes i say people i am people me as people guys <laughs> it is a negative place in there and so to to be able to change that mental thought process to like oh i can't do this or how am i going to do this to like damon just get to that next spot was that something you read about or was that was that part of like the navy seal like just choosing the next focal point because like choosing the next focal point takes away from like the the, the the scariness of your own thought because you're only thinking about that tree, you know? Like, mm. how did you learn how to do that? Each question keeps getting better and better. <laughs> you're so good at this. <laughs> this this the, this the very interesting part. Mm-hmm. It's natural. Yeah. It happens automatically. I'll go into the missions petrified. How am I going to do it? But let me back up. I go into the mission with a statement. Like the mission statement. Okay. Just like everybody got a mission statement in business. My mission statement is I will die before I quit. Yep. There is no quit in me. Yep. Quit don't live here no more. That's the statement. Yep. Everything now supports that, right? Okay. So now when it hits the fan, when I'm really hurting and I'm thinking, "Uh uh-oh, I'm in trouble here. I go, yeah, but you ain't quitting. Yeah. So what's the other option? What's the alternative? Now I got to find a way. It unlocks the find a way part. Yeah, part of your brain. We don't never get to the find a way part. Yeah. We get to the excuse making part. Yep. The blame part. Mm-hmm. The scapegoat part. Mm-hmm. We don't get to the find, figure it out part. If you sat there long enough, good ideas pop up. Yeah. So I'm running and all of a sudden, I'm like, hey, oh, oh, mission finishes. I'm like, oh my God, I just did that. Yeah. Now the mission finishes. Boom. I'm on mission 12. Yeah. All of a sudden- I think different. My buddy just told me the other day, he goes, do you know you you walk different, you talk different, your land, everything is different because of these missions. Mm-hmm. And I said, I did, that wasn't what the intention was. The intention was to get in shape. Yeah. Because I was soft because I quit yeah. against Ash. 
that was the mission. I but mean, you that realized was, that you weren't just physically soft, that you were mentally soft, right? Yeah. The, the emotional knowledge came a little bit later. I didn't, I didn't understand the correlation between emotions at the time. It, yeah. During mission one, I was starting to dabble. Mm -hmm. I was just starting to dabble, right? By now, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm on mission 15. I know now, and I said to my buddy, I go, this is, a pr this is just a byproduct. If you put yourself in hell long enough, your body will transform. Yeah. Your mental, emotional, and physical body will adapt. And that's what we don't think will happen. We yeah. think, oh, it's too cold out here. I'm going to die. Yeah. You know what happened? You'll be out there, you know, you just kind of, hmm, what time is it? Yeah. Oh, I forgot, I forgot my toes was numb. I forgot. Yeah. All of a sudden, that resolve just happens. Mm -hmm. But you got to be prepared to suffer to get to that point, though. Yeah. It's so true because it's like the, the, the comfort and all of that stuff. It's all rooted in this little thing called fear, right? So we fear being uncomfortable. Mm. We fear that. And a lot of the, that time, the fear comes from the fear of failure. And for me, that's what my fear comes from. Mm. I, I, I don't go as hard as I can in one certain area or I, I, I don't take that shot in a game or I don't make that connection with a teammate because I'm I have a fear. I'm mm. scared. Like, and, and so when you're making decisions out of fear, I, it just it, it doesn't get you to the right spots because that's not you making decisions. That's fear making decisions. That's not you. That's not me. I'm not making the decision not to do this. I'm not making this decision. That is my fear. So for you, how has implementing these missions taught you how to not make decisions out of fear or taught you that you have it in your past life and you continue to or how has that come up in this journey of yours? You ready? Yes. Talk to me. Fear don't matter. Yeah. I know this now. You're right. When we scared of something, we run from it. Mm -hmm. Do you hear that? Oh, and then you run the other way. Fear makes you leave when all the action is right here. You need to stay. All this stuff going on around. Oh, my God. I go, no, stay in it. Just stay in it. Yeah. It's not that scary after all. You be in the dark for so long, your eyes start to adjust. It's like, oh, I can see. You got to stay in it, though. So how do you stay in it when you're scared? Yeah. Go back to your mission statement. I ain't quit. Yeah. I ain't quitting. Done. Simple. It is so it is that simple. Damon, won't you come in? Um, your favorite show's on. Won't you come in and eat? Uh somebody just made a phone call for. No, I'm not leaving here. It is I, I can't put in the words to resolve. When I say that, ain't nothing else, nothing else matters. Yeah. I mean, it, it would take a literal act of God yeah. to make me go, what? It was a storm. Yeah. It was a hot lightning thunder and pissing down rain and I shouldn't be out here. And my wife looking at me like, are you nuts? She goes, it's a storm. Yeah. You know what I said? I am the storm. <laughs> I'm the storm. You know, I've got that tattooed on my back. Like I'm dead you serious. <laughs> I, have, I have the the devil whispers. You can't withstand the storm. The warrior replied, I am I, the storm. I, I have that tattooed storm. on my back. Yes. So I'm gonna. I'm like this. Mother Nature. Is that all you got? Yeah. Is what you think that thunder goes? No. I got. I'm on a mission. Mm -hmm. The mission is a pass fail. Mm -hmm. So you know what I mean. I don't leave any room for interpretation. There's yeah. no room for. Ah, right, maybe next time. Yeah. Oh, I came close this time. Well, I'm gonna get you next time. No, I'm getting you right now. Yeah. Today. So that happens over the course of putting yourself in uncomfortable positions. Mm -hmm. And I ain't talking about uncomfortable like, oh, this shirt's a little tight. I'm talking about where you where that doubt creeps in. Yeah. Because that's when you find out yeah. who you are. Because that fear that you were talking about, 
that will rule you. It becomes a habit. It does. You, it does. You, yeah. you don't even know you're doing it. Yeah. The habit will be that strong. And the emotional side of things never gets factored into. It's like, and like I said, I might have said to you before about the, the whys, the five yeah. whys. Why am I scared? Answer that. Why is that? Why is that? If you get to the fifth why, you get to the core of the problem. Yeah. And then it's a matter of, do you have what it takes to overcome it? Or are you happy? So that's when I would make a decision and these missions were getting tougher. And if I said to myself, if I've identified a soft aspect of me, an aspect I don't like, yeah. And I don't do nothing about it. What does that make me? Yep. I can't be I can't live that way. Yeah. I think it it takes it takes enough to be able to actually see something that you don't like about yourself. Most people just go like this, mm. you know. Most people just cover their eyes and go, "Oh, I don't want to." Yeah, see don't it. look over here. Exactly. Or just make an excuse for it. But I, there is something I want to ask you about because um I remember and I've also I've driven past Damon while he's doing one of his <laughs> runs, his missions. He's running and he is talking to himself <laughs> out loud. And if you roll down the windows, you'll hear like I'm fucking bad. Like, I, I got this shit. Like he's running and he's like, that's positive self-talk. Mm. That's out loud. And yeah. like, so I, you know, my psychologist tells me, and I was telling you about this when we were in row 59 mm. having our little chats, is that one of the things she gets me to do is when I stand in front of the mirror in the morning is like actually say nice things to myself. And that sounds so surface level, right? Like look at yourself in the mirror and say like, you are good. Like you are nice. Enough, yeah. But like, it's hard. Now try doing that in those uncomfortable yeah. Situations, and I—I I mean, I run. I don't run 80ks, but I like running. I like—I I go on my little 10, 12k runs, and I, I don't listen to music when I run either, uh, because I like to process the thoughts that go into my head. And that's something we spoke about last year. Yep. Um, was when you run, you said to me, "Try and run without music," and I tried, and now I can't <laughs> run with music. Mm. So it's—it's the—it's the once I get a thought into my head, and then actually figuring that out. But then it's like. As I'm turning around to, you know, home stretch or like if I want to give a bit, I'm like, God, I'm fast. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm so strong. Oh. Yeah. And that's not just in running. That's in when I do basketball stuff like that out loud, positive self-talk. Yeah. How has that affected you? And at what point in your missions did you actually implement that? And do you implement it in other areas of your life now too? I do. I, everything now is that I feel like it's two diamonds. I feel like there was pre-mission diamond mm-hmm. and now there's post-mission diamond. I'm I'm different. I'm different. There's elements that you might see in post-mission diamond. Did you guys saw signs of that in pre-mission diamond? Yeah. Yep, there was there was signs. There was bones there, but it wasn't mature. And all it took was to rattle me, and then I'd fall over. If you upset me, this is emotional resilience again. All you had to do is upset me. If you did something I didn't like, if you did something I was confused with, if you did something I just didn't agree with, I'm like, what? What are you doing? I ain't doing that. I had attitude. Like, what? That don't make no sense. Then I would go out of my way to prove to you how little sense it made. <laughs> This is emotional immaturity. Yeah. And this is what I notice in humans. Yeah. In the adult humans. Yeah. All I got to do is rattle your cage. Yeah. That's all I got to do. Yeah. So I'm thinking, okay, my cage, I'm going to rattle my own damn cage. I'm going to rattle my own cage. It's raining outside. Ooh, shit, I better hurry and get out there. Yeah. And I'm thinking rain harder. Rain harder. Yeah. So now I'm out there and the shit's hitting the fan. And now who out here to go? You know, when I finish... Hey, Damon, good job. I'll post something on Instagram. Oh, Damon, man, you're inspirational. You All these nice compliments. Where are those compliments at five o'clock in the morning when there's a storm out there? Where they at? They are nowhere. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, they don't really matter. They, they're nice and I, and I appreciate it. But what am I saying to myself? Yeah. I got to be my own cheerleader. Mm-hmm. I can give myself goosebumps. Yeah. I can just clap myself up. You know what I learned this from? My high school coach. 
Yeah. In the, when I was in 11th grade, he came in, we all stretching before practice and coach said, damn blue, our, our, our colors was blue and white. So he called us blue. Yeah. He's like, damn blue. We gonna we gonna we gonna practice like this, man. We gotta set the tone. We gotta get it hyped in here. Come on, fellas, talk it up. Bring some energy. And we all sitting around going, we don't know what to say. Yeah. So we go, yeah, Johnny. Hey, Pee Wee. Yeah, I see you over there, Eddie. All of a sudden, a coach we walking by though. Come on, Pee Wee. Yes, sir. We're gonna get live today, Blue. Come on, <laughs> fellas. And all of a sudden we hyped. Yeah. So now I'm by myself and I'm running this dark and I'm just, come on, Damien. No, man, you got this, Damon. Look at you out here, Damon. They didn't see this coming, big fella. You got this. And all of a sudden, that bought me time yeah. to get my second win, yep. that, to ride some momentum, mm -hmm. as opposed to, how many Ks I got to go? Yeah. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. we'll talk like that to ourselves, too. Yep. But I would never say that out loud. Yep. I brought Cleo with me on one. You know Cleo. Yep. We was bear crawling. Yep. I know this story. Continue. We yep. bear crawling. And I'm struggling. I went 100 meters and had to stop four times. It hurt that bad. I was like, oh my God, these bear crawls for real. I eventually started bear crawling. So me and Cleo go around the oval, 1.6 Ks. And I'm about to just collapse. Cause apparently I found out the human being isn't supposed to be bent over like a bear for long. <laughs> <laughs> it's not healthy to the human body. Not healthy to the humans. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just about to collapse. And Cleo goes, no dad. I was like, oh. I pop back up. I said, I got a little bit more. And we talked on the way home. I said, had you not said that, I was going down. Yeah. You brought me back up. I should have said that myself. But we get so caught up in our own misery that we can't talk. Yeah. So I'm, I learned, I'm teaching myself how to talk when I'm miserable. Yeah. Because anybody can talk when you're happy, when the sun's shining. Anybody can do that. But talk when it's, you know, when it's drama filled. Yeah. So how does that in, in your work life, right? So you're outside your real life, Damon life. Yep. When you in, encounter people at, in, your, in your professional life at work or I don't know, Susie at the store, whatever, yep. and they, you feel they're trying to like rattle you or mm. like people say things you don't like. Yeah. How does all these things that you accomplish in your missions help you in that area of your life? Because it's a habit now. Yeah. It's habits. So everything I do to survive a mission, to execute a mission, to secure a mission, it's in me. It's, it's alive, right? Yeah. I go to work. Example, I, our team leader, I work in, I'm a case manager, homelessness organization. Team leader goes off on long service or whatever leave. There's an opening for acting team leader and I don't want it. You know why I don't want it? Too much responsibility. <laughs> too much extra work. Got to deal with other, the admin side of things. Got to deal with too much other stuff. I just want to clock in, clock out and go home. I heard myself think that. And now you got to do it. Now I got to do it. Yep. And guess what my interview was like? So I, I put in my, I had to put in an expression of interest. Mm -hmm. First, I heard myself with those same negative thoughts. Mm -hmm. I was, oh, no. Oh, you scared. <laughs> now you're doing it. Yep. So, hello, my name is Damon Laurie. I would like to apply for the acting team leader position. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I'm applying, and I said this, the reason why I'm applying is because I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot believe you actually I wrote said that. that. I said, I'm applying because I don't want it. I'm apprehensive, which means I need to do this for my yeah. growth. Uh -huh. I, I expanded on it, yeah. but that's how it started. So now I get the face-to-face -face interview and I'm still, I can feel all the apprehension. I don't really, this is gonna, you talk about comfort zone? Yeah. <sighs> And I don't, 
But I said, okay, I sat in there and I got the manager, the big boss in there. She's looking at me. She's going, Damon, that was a very interesting expression of interest. <laughs> she said, can you talk more about that? <laughs> I said, yeah. I said, well, obviously I'm, you know, I'm scared and apprehensive to do it because of what it'll entail. I said, I've been a case manager for over a decade and I know how to do that. Yeah. This team leader stuff, I ain't really, you know, I don't, I never, I see myself as more of a soldier as yeah. opposed to a, a general. I said, so for that reason, I'm apprehensive. I know I know it, but I'm scared to do it. So that's why I'm in here right now. You're looking at a scared dude yeah. who's overcoming his fears. Mm -hmm. And damn it, she gave it to me. <laughs> <laughs> she said, congratulations. I'm like, shit, I didn't want it. <laughs> I love that. I, I can just imagine her reading like your application being like, I'm applying for this job because I don't want. <laughs> I, I, like I would have given you an interview just there just to hear you talk about it. Like yeah. I want to hear what he has to say. And this is a good segue for me because you are a man. You are also a middle-aged man. And being vulnerable is difficult for men in general. Mm. And I want to talk about how – your vulnerability and your ability to talk about like things that make you uncomfortable and I, I don't know, maybe just in general that's evolved since starting your missions or also like how it compares to you now versus when you were a basketball player. Mm. What is what is the word vulnerability? What does that even mean to you? Pre-mission, Damon, to be vulnerable was to open yourself up for criticism, for evaluation, for assessment. Open yourself up. Yeah. But I don't want you to know the deep dark. Yeah. I don't want you to know that about me. Because then you might think differently. I, mean, I want you to like me. Yeah. That's the problem too. Yeah. I want you to like me. I can't let you know how I really feel. Yeah. I got to send my representative over. Uh, this is Damon's representative. <laughs> Layman. <laughs> Layman Gary. <laughs> <laughs> Can you just talk down a Lee, please? Because I don't want you know. Yeah. So that would... I would know how to hide. Yeah. I'd hide little bitty tiny things, things I didn't like about myself. I'd hide it. But now, post-mission, Damon, I know that that fear can never rule me again. I've made my mission statement. It's non-negotiable. Mm -hmm. I will look for discomfort until I get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah. I'll be comfortable being uncomfortable because ain't uncomfortable coming. Yeah. Ain't always here anyway. Yeah. But can you deal with it? That's the deal. That, that's the only difference. Some people know how to deal with it. Some people don't. Yeah. Some people hide from it. Some people run to it. Yeah. I've made up my mind. I don't care no more. Now, sometimes I feel like, yeah, but you're saying that because you're 55. Yeah. With 25-year-old, Damon was super vain at 25. Yeah. I'm not that vain no more. Small, there's, there's still some vainness in me. Don't make no mistakes about it. Small example, look at this raggedy beard on my face. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious what it's going to look like. That's the only reason I'm growing it. It don't look good. <laughs> I don't like it. You know what it does? It makes me look old. So now listen to my demons. Yeah. You 55. Look at your old ass gray beard. Yeah. It ain't no smooth all black gray beard. It ain't no all black beard. It yeah. Look, it looks all debonair, does it? Yeah. You look like an old man. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm getting ready to shave it. What you shaving it for? Oh, you scared because you don't yeah. want to. You uncomfortable? Leave it. Yeah. Leave it. Hey, man, you got to go to do this video shoot. You got to go do this show. You got to go do this. Better shave. Nope, not doing it. Yep. Because you don't get the win no more. My whole life has been built around hiding out, mm. not being vulnerable, being scared. Ne that dude don't live here no more. Compare that version of yourself to the, the 
kid walking from the bus stop that you told us about at the start. Like that's like if you were to look back on that version of you, right? What would you tell that kid? What would you say to that kid? I cried talking to that little boy. Yeah. That little boy, he just wanted to be accepted. He just wanted to fit in. Mm-hmm. You know what I say to him? Fit in for what, man? Who are you trying to fit into? You want to hang them knuckleheads over there? Why, why you got them on a pedestal? Because you don't want to walk this path by yourself? I look at it now, it's like a metaphor now. Me being by myself, head down, just chugging along, whatever. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what I'm doing now on my missions. I'm by myself. Yeah. I don't run in packs. I'm very social, as you know. Yeah. I don't run in packs. I ought to tell that little boy, no, man, you good. You good right now. You safe. You okay. Yeah. Don't try to be something else. Because, you know, that the in crowd. I wasn't in the cool crowd. I wasn't. I remember when I first went to my first, di- my first dance. When I walked in, it was like the whole place stopped. Damon's here, everybody. They used to call me L7. That's a square. <laughs> L7 in the house. Oh, my God. That's our little Damon. You know what I mean? So yeah. now here's Damon in the bathroom trying to practice his dance moves so he can fit in. Yeah. That's, that's pathetic. But it's Damon. It's a little boy who don't know. Yeah. Didn't have the guidance. So now that, that would be my advice to him. I really like that. I like that. When I, when I talk about like looking back on your younger self, like Marina and I were having this conversation the other day. It's like little me would be so proud. Like mm. little me, like, oh. They're looking at me, looking up, thinking, wow, like look at what you've achieved, right? And do you, in, in, your, in your missions and uh, I guess like in your next, looking forward, are you a planner? Like do you plan out like your next week, your next month, your next like goal setting for you? What does goal setting look like now and how important is that to your kind of day-to-day, I guess? It doesn't, nah, I don't, I don't do any goal setting. Like mm-hmm. my missions, I plan those. Yeah. They're meticulous. Because mm-hmm. my life's busy. I got a full time job. I got stuff when the when the seasons when the NBL season's happening. Mm-hmm. There's stuff going on, and so I I don't have a lot of time. Mm-hmm. So I got to go. Okay, this has to happen at four o'clock. This has to happen at four thirty. I need to. What time is it now? I got to go to bed nine o'clock. Right. I got to set the alarm for three thirty. Got yeah. it. It's it's got to be like that. The, the mission planning is meticulous. I sit there and I plot it out. I write it down. Look at it and go like this. Okay. I think what could go wrong? What's happening here? And then you got to be able to, like I said, adjust and adapt. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, classic example, I was commentating some NBL games this year and I got a doubleheader game. So the second game, the Perth game, finishes at like, I don't know, <laughs> damn near midnight. Yeah. I was like, oh, I got to get home now. That just put me back a couple hours. Okay, that's okay. Just get home, get as much sleep as you can because the alarm's going off at 3 30. Mm hmm. So I'm, I'm I'm running on like three hours sleep, and as I'm doing, as I'm getting up, and that alarm is scared me to death. It went, Bang! I was like, <gasps> yeah, and I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> oh, and now these are the moments, yeah, these this is are where you're moments. tested, yes. this is where you're tested. Without a test, who are you without a test? Yeah, yeah, I got it. I need a test, so yeah. I'm like, okay, come on, man. Mm-hmm. Anybody can run with sleep. <laughs> yeah, this is so true, so true. <laughs> yeah, so goals set. I don't, I don't have goals. But in my missions, they they meticulously planned out. Um, I I, I want to ask you because like so, ask you about what you would say to little Damon. But what would you say to like a young kid that's just gotten cut from his first team, and like the mindset he needs to adapt, or your advice to that kid? What would that be? And then a kind of 
forge that into the advice you'd give to a guy just starting out his professional career in basketball. Give me that. I want to know that. Yep. Guy or girl, by the way. The yeah. person, the player who got cut, mm-hmm. didn't make the team. I say, you don't get everything you want in life. You do not get everything you want in life. Let's just get that on the table right now. Mm-hmm. And it ain't up to you whether you make the team or not. It's up to the coach whether they want you on their team. Yeah. So let's get that straight right now. You can train the house down. Coach might not want you. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do about it? It's always going to be, I'm always going to put it back on you. Yeah. Did you work hard enough? If so, it still might not be enough. It was my dream to play for Australia. Well, it wasn't the coach's dream to have you in their team. Yeah. Whose dream wins? You know what I mean? Understand that you don't have the control you think you do. You can only control how you present. Mm-hmm. Present. This is who I am to try to make this team. Is it what you want? No? Okay. I got to go try to make another team. You know what I mean? It's that simple. It isn't, if I just would have made more shots or if I just would have did this little thing better, nah, coach don't want you. Or if you didn't work hard enough, then that's an obvious reason why they didn't want you. Yeah. But understand it, it ain't always up to you. But how do you accept that something's out of your control? How do you accept that? (laughs) Because that's what it is. Asking for a friend. It's, that's what it is. It's not in your control. reflection here. Yeah. 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 How do you I, accept something that's not in your control? Like how do you, I mean, it's, I've actually been talking about this in the last couple of days because at the moment I'm half living in Bendigo, half living in Melbourne, and I, I don't really know where I'm staying at the moment because I'm in an awkward time between seasons. So the only thing I have, quote unquote, control over is when I get my workouts in every day. And if someone, someone in my family the other day stuffed with a timing of one of my workouts and it sent me, I was mm. like, no, but I only, I got to go now. And like, I can't wait half an hour. Like, Ugh. and then in hindsight, I'm like, I don't know, Maylie, like what? So like, and then, you know, I take the time, I look back and I'm like, the reason I reacted that way is because the only thing I have control over, quote unquote, at the moment is when I get my workouts in every day. I don't have control over where I'm staying, what I'm doing. The date that I'm even leaving the country, I have no idea. I don't know. And that makes me uncomfortable. But how do you be okay with that some decisions are made outside of your control? Ah. <sighs> Great questions. It is Ooh. such a good question. Radical focus. Mm-hmm. Radical focus. There's Navy SEALs talk about being radical. Everybody goes, ah, right, focus. Focus, nah. Focus gets shaken though. I'm mm-hmm. focusing on this over here and then you just made me go 30 minutes later and now my focus is broken. Mm-hmm. But when I'm radically focused. Yeah. It's just noise. I'm not going to take my eyes off this microphone. I don't care what happens in here. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's radical focus. We lose it. It's too easily shook. That means it ain't, it's not grounded enough in you. It's not a deep enough. The roots are not deep enough. They too easily shaken because mm-hmm. you too eat because you want comfort so bad that the slightest thing throws your whole thing off. Yeah, that's resolve and that's radical focus. That's that. But to accept what I can't control, that's simple. It's either accept it or don't accept it. Mm-hmm. Which one gonna bring you the pain? If I don't accept it, I'm gonna fight it. Hey man, you, you picked the wrong team. How'd you pick that dude over me for? I've been kicking his ass ever since he was a junior. You just don't. Mm-hmm. What does that do? That don't do anything. I'm gonna go back over here and go. You want me? No. Thanks. For, thanks for the opportunity. See you later. Yeah. 
I'll take that one. Yeah. There's one thing I'd like to highlight there is when you talk about those two options, it's like if there's a decision made out of your control, you can accept it, which does actually bring you pain initially. Sometimes that brings you pain. When you don't accept it, that's when you form the habits, right? That's when, when you don't accept it, the but that's when the finger pointing, that's when you find other ways. And we're all guilty of that. Mm. God, I, I left two different colleges like mm. because I didn't accept the the situation that it was. And look, there's many different reasons and why reasons why we do things. Mm. But there's always that decision there. Like if, if you've ever seen Black Mirror and Bandersnatch, I'm looking around the room, have you seen Bandersnatch? So there's, there's this concept that it's like there's this one decision that comes down the middle. And then from that point, then two different decisions come. And then it's like you, you go with it or you go, don't, yes or no. Mm-hmm. And then that goes down into a separate – and it ends up being this big tree of life. But there's all these different outcomes, right? One version of it, you're going to be making decisions to avoid – and finger point and not accept things. And then that's when you end up not the person that you want to be or that that the the your inner your inner demons run your decision making that fear that is fear based. Mm-hmm. When you accept it, that is actually saying stuff for you to fear, you know? And you're making these decisions basing off accepting your uh, your surroundings, <laughs> but it's hard. It's so much harder. And I just want to say that when we accept things that are out of our control, those are the moments that hurt the most. Those are absolutely the moments that hurt the most because when you accept it, you're realizing, yes, you're accepting that someone else is making the decision, but you're keeping the power for yourself. When you find ways out of making uh, exceptions for something, you are giving other people the power. So I'd like to, I'd just like to highlight that. How do you feel about that, Damon? I feel like you don't trust yourself. No, I don't. I, I feel don't. that you don't trust yourself yep. and you don't trust the ability to adjust and adapt yep. and overcome. Yep. And I don't. It's so true. Yeah. That's because the reason why you don't trust it, you haven't trained for it. Yeah. Where's the training for this, by the way? There isn't. There isn't. And we had spoken about this. Like when we talk about athletes and the things that we, not even just athletes, think about they take to teach this emotional resilience in schools and the ability to be able to trust your own decision-making, when is that taught? We need that. We, we need that. You don't even realize you need it until shit hits the fan. Yeah. You go, now what am I going to do? Oh, my God, I was – but the plan was I was going to play for that team and then I was going to be a starter and I was going to average these points and I was going to make the WNBL and I was going to – nope, now none of that happens. Yeah. Now we are going to do? Not play basketball no more. We're gonna do so. The ability to adjust and adapt is so alive in me now mm-hmm. that you could tell me anything. Yeah, you could go, "Hey, Damon, your car just got towed." I go, "Okay, that means I'm gonna have to." Um, hmm, okay, what do I need to do? I'm gonna get home. I'm gonna. Okay, yep. Boom. Mm-hmm. That, that's how it is. This how it works now because I put myself in that many situations that when something don't go my way, I straight away go to figure it out. Yeah, we don't go to figure it out. We don't go to trust yourself because we haven't built that up in us. Yeah, we all want it. Yeah, it would be nice to have, but you don't know how to go about getting it. Because to get it, you have to suffer. Yeah. But we don't want that. So now, who can I blame? Yeah, the blame game. Hey, Darren. Gee, what an ass. It's Darren's fault. Yeah. Oh, they don't like me. It's a conspiracy. Yeah. We come up with every other way to justify and rationalize why something bad happened to us. Mm -hmm. Instead of saying, bad shit happens all the time. 
I can handle it. I'm built for bad shit. Yeah. You know how? Because I'm going to put myself through bad shit next month. Yeah. I'm going to do it. I do it to myself. I'm not even going to wait for you. Mm-hmm. I'm not even going to wait for life. That's the trust in the hard work too. That's I trust, the trust it. in the hard work. And I said that to my boy. I said, man, yeah. the trust I have now, I just know I can respond. Yeah. I'm going to respond. And I don't know what it's going to look like, but guess what? I'm going to finish. Yeah. I'm going to be tipping champagne over my head at the end of the month because <laughs> I know I'm going to finish. I don't know how yet. Yeah. I'm running. I was running. There was a big ass tree. Just went poof, poof. I said, hmm. I just went around the tree. Everybody else was looking at the tree. Like, oh my God, look at that tree. I just went around the tree. Yeah. That's like, that's, that's kind that's of for life. me like a metaphor. That's life. Go around it. Yeah. Get over it. Don't stand there and bitch about the tree. Yeah. Just keep moving. Yeah. So yeah. So to people like that, I would say you're going to have to get comfortable being uncomfortable because mm-hmm. then that will develop an ability to trust yourself to adjust and adapt and overcome. I like that. I really like that. And I'd, 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 I'd again like to highlight something. So Damon is our 3x3 coach, the coach of the Gangaroos. Gang, gang. The gang, gang. Uh, we were just over in Singapore um, playing in the Asia Cup. And so the way Damon coaches has changed since he started doing his missions. Like uh, Damon's coached me a little bit throughout the years. We've, we've interacted. He's done some, we've, 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 uh, he's coached me in a few different areas of my life. And this version of Damon, I'd I'd like to give a little, a, a little example. So we were, um, about to play China in our, I think it might have been the third game of the day, and I don't want to get that wrong. Could be the second, could have been the third. Singapore is hot. Singapore is hot. It is It is a very hot place, and the ball is slippery, and it's just, you know, the food venue wasn't in the right place, and there was there's so many things that were just not right about our setup for this tournament. And when we're sitting down to talk about it pre-game, it's like he has spoken so much about this stuff that we now know no one's going to talk about any sort of excuses. It's like, we are going to get this done. This is why we're going to get it done. And he names all the hard things. You know, he names all the hurdles. Like, it's hot. The food's wrong. The, the This team's been together for longer. They got seven people here training. Blah, blah, blah. And then it ends with like, and <laughs> we're still going to win. And it's like, we're all sitting there. We're like, oh, like talk about the, the height. Like, we're like, yeah, and and then we're like, I think it was either Marina or could have been Willie said something what if they came on with four players and you know like and the the ball goes flat and like there's it, it's created such an environment within our gangaroo culture that it's like throw what you want at us mm. and we and will figure it out we will figure it mm. out make it harder mm. it's better yes it is better don't fund us let's see what happens yeah. you know like make it harder you mm. know and i i just think that in that in a coaching environment right and I'm not saying I don't want you to, uh, coaches listening, if you're coaching a group of under 12 girls, don't pull out a hose and start hosing them while they're doing basketball <laughs> training and start piffing basketballs at them. And don't do that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about the the emotional training that has been implemented in the 3X3 national team program at the emotional resilience, the mental resilience. I think that's important to be implemented in junior basketball Mm -hmm. and yes it looks different in the ability that in the way that you talk to people when they are 20 and above versus 15 and below but it still needs to exist in some way shape or form so you know i'm in under 16s walking into a vic tournament i'm in my second game of the day (laughs) i don't want people around me like the kids around me should not be sitting there being like oh i'm so tired i'm so sore the culture needs to be built to be like okay you're tired 
okay you're sore it doesn't matter mm. we're still going to win we're still going to get this done and that's the mindset right that it needs to be created in all throughout Australian basketball, I feel. And it exists in spaces. I'm not yeah. saying that it doesn't exist. It definitely does. And there's people in Australian basketball that exemplify that, you know. There's players in the league that I play against that exemplify mm. that. But I think about in those moments, like, you know, you, you've just played three or four games in a tournament style and lay out everything that's wrong. Do it. Talk about it. Mm. Like, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, and – yeah. We're still going to win anyway. Yeah. And I love that because like that like that is something for me that just screams the way that it's changed the culture of our playing group. Like I think about us like I've been a part of the 3x3 program now for what, four four years, three years. It's completely changed over that time, completely. And a lot of that has to do with the way that we view problems now. Because mm. the problem is no longer something that will erode us. It is something that we like face and walk into and then we make the problem our bitch, you know? <laughs> like, oh, yes. That's that's the that's the vibe and that's yes. what's been created, right? Like oh. and so what I'm saying is I'm not telling an eleven year old girl to walk up to a coach who she thinks the problem is like, you now I'm a bitch. Like, that's not <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. Yeah. What I'm saying is is like Find in sport, right, as a basketball player, find the things that make things difficult. For me at the moment, like personally, going through changes in my professional life, going through changes, figuring out where I'm going to be next, where I'm going to be in America, how long am I staying there, uh, are they going to send me home, blah, blah, blah. Don't, I'm trying not to look at that and run away from it. I'm trying to look at it and be like, all right, well, if I go and they cut me, they cut me. Mm. I could go and I could be there for three hours. I could be there for two days. Yeah. I could be there for two months. And my mindset now is, okay. And yeah. that is I, I I want people to try and it can start small. It can start small. Yep. It can be uh, actually this is pr- pretty relevant for Victorians that are going into the next NBL1 season, right? 6 a.m. trainings suck they mm. suck it is cold it is so cold and like there's the 6 a.m walk in there and go i can't feel my toes i can't feel my hands the court is actually slippery from the condensation of how cold it is and Aid. that's what that's that's what i want people to take out of this and ask the question even say those crappy things out loud mm. say it out loud and like it forces you to look at it. Yeah. Say it out loud, look at it. And if if you can take anything away from this conversation, I want you to think about the 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 mental process of listening to yourself say, Oh, I don't want to do it, or I don't want to do this. Say it out loud and think about why you don't want to do it and do it anyway. Mm. Say it out loud. Listen to why you don't want to do it and do it anyway. I love that. Yeah, right? Wow. It's so good. It's yeah. so good. And like I I've, I always thought that it was because my dad always thought it was because I was super stubborn. And like it started with like him and mum being like, I don't know, you don't do this. And I'd be like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's, it starts yeah. with things like that. But yeah. I think it eventually developed into a mindset where I was like, I don't want to do this. Damn it. Yeah. Now I got to do it, you know. And I think – um, like to kind of full circle moment you and the Lehman Dairy. I don't know why I call you Lehman Dairy. I don't know why that started, but it, it's just here now. Yep. Your your why for why you get up every day, your why, what is that? Can I just back up a second? Back up, go. What you just, that, what you just said before, we talking about character. Yeah. When does character reveal itself? When stuff gets hard. 
when stuff gets hard. Mm -hmm. That's when character reveals itself. That's who you find. I'm not going to fall for how you are when the sun is shining and the birds are singing. Nah, show me who you are in the storm because that's who you are. Because life is full of disappointments. It's full of unwanted, unfulfilled dreams and wishes and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And you find out who you are. So once you make up your mind who you, who, what your care, what you want your character to be, yeah, you start looking at them situations differently. Mm-hmm. So when you brought up the culture and what we doing with the Gangaroos, I love that because I'm thinking I got to drive it. I mean, this is who I am, and and it speaks to your girls' character that you follow, that you that you buy that. Yeah, it ain't for everybody. No. That's cool. But when you say what's my why, this might mess you up. I ain't got a why. Oh, you know why? Oh, because <laughs> here's what I realized: it don't matter. Ah, okay. I'm gonna right. okay. I'm gonna take it somewhere. Take right. it. Go. Go. Mission go. mindset. Yep. Why am I doing? I gotta run 80ks today, not today, but like yeah, it's 80k day. Why am I getting up this morning? Why Why am I doing it? It don't matter. I got 80ks to run. Yeah, but you know, does it? Have you eaten enough? Do you think you are you prepared? Did you, did you get enough rest? What difference do I make? It don't matter. I got eighty k's to run. It's that simple. There is no why. There is when no I why. was out there running and I'm by myself and everything is hurting, do you know what mattered? Nothing. Yeah. But getting to eighty. Yeah. Nothing. There is no why. Yeah. In in my I. For other people, have why. Do yeah. whatever you need to it's do. It's different for everyone. It is. Yeah. For me, the is is what I said I'm gonna do. Yeah. It's that simple. If I said it, damn it, it's going down. Yeah. You better believe it's going down. Can you feel this conviction? It's it don't matter. I can whatever happens to me, what's the mission? The mission mindset is finish it, yeah. secure it. Yeah. There is no second place yeah. in mission mindset. There is no participation award. There is no bad luck. You almost had it. Mm-mm. So for me, the why, it, it, it don't matter. And I started to realize how simple it was because we complicate things sometimes. Yeah. Well, you know what? Like you said, you know, if I can eat the right stuff and, and then tick that box and then tick that box, yep, I should be right to run 80Ks. Yeah. Just shut up, man. Go run. Yeah. Just do it. Wear your shoes. And that's what I call, where's my shoes? I was hearing all this stuff going on in my head. And eventually I just shut it all up and just said, where's my shoes? Yeah. Put them on, open the door, start running. Yep. Done. So the, what for other people, wise might be extremely important, but my mindset is now 24-7. It ain't some timey. Mm-hmm. It's all the timey. Mm-hmm. And it is secure the mission. I like it. Whatever I say, if I say it, I'm going to do it. I like it. I like it. That is that is like that is the goal of where we're going to get right as people. You to be someone of your word so much that whatever you say you got to do it. You know what I mean? That's like, integrity. That's integrity. How many people say stuff and they don't ever do it? Oh, I hate it. I hate it. But then, but then you say you was going to do that. Yeah, well, I was going to do it. Yeah. But then you guess what? You never guess what happened. I don't want to hear all that. Yeah. Don't. I don't want to hear about the labor pains. Where the baby? Yeah. Where the baby at? <laughs> <laughs> Yes. I love that. I love that. Um, uh, I've got my last question. No, I've got it. Okay. Um, And I've ended this on almost everyone. Actually, everyone. Everyone. I've asked this question. How do you think other people see you versus who you actually are? 
how do you think people see you versus who you actually are? And if there is no difference, if there is no like gap in that, at what point did there become no gap? Wow. You're good at this. <laughs> how people, I, was, I spent my, a lot of my, the majority of my life wondering how I was viewed, how people saw me. Are these, do these clothes match? Is my haircut okay? Is everything, you know, I've, that's a crippling way to live. I'm always living up to somebody else's expectations. I don't even know what they are. You mm. might not even be paying attention to me. And I'm worried about what you think of me. Nah, I can't, I, I don't go down that path. How people view me now, I don't know. I, I am whatever they want me to be. That's not in my control. Damon, you're inspirational. I go, oh, thanks. What are you doing with that inspiration, by the way? Nah, never mind. Damon, no, I'm sick of you doing all this. I go, oh, yeah. So to you, I'm this. To you, I'm that. To you, I'm this. I'm, I'm, I'm a bunch of stuff to everybody. It don't matter. It don't. I know that now. It don't matter what you guys think. I don't care. All I care about is what I think of myself. Finally. Yeah. That's freedom. Finally. Took me a long time. Damn, I wish you could. You know, we, we don't get taught this. Yeah. We don't get taught it. But now I am my own evaluator. Mm -hmm. Damon, did you, did you punk out today? No, give me 20 push-ups. Yeah. I'm doing stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm doing stuff that people don't even know what I'm doing it for. Yeah. I have my own standards. My standards are non-negotiable. Then they they're not yours. Mm -hmm. They're not in their mind. I am the gatekeeper and the protector of my standards. Yeah. And if, if I don't meet it, I will take care of that. Yeah. By punishing myself. Now you might think, ah, that's harsh. No, they reminders. Because yeah. I know if I let one thing slide, here comes the backslide. <laughs> yeah. Then the sliding becomes a habit. Next thing you know, I might be back where I started. Yeah. No, I ain't, I ain't never going back there. If I got to strap up, put on a weight vest, if I got to go out there with a bad back to, to keep me sharp, mm -hmm. best believe I'm doing that. Yeah. So, yeah. That's I how, like that because when I when I say how do you people how do you think people see you versus who you actually are, you're answering that question being like, how do I think I see me versus who me actually is, you know? Mm. And I like that. I like that. It's like a very it's it's the most honest way to answer that question because you're answering it with a mirror in front of you. Because at the end of the day, you have to be the one that lives with you. That's the whole mission. You know what David Goggins calls that mirror? What? The accountability mirror. The accountability mirror. Look in it. Look and stare into that mirror and then see, are you doing what you're supposed to be doing? You know, as I was driving to this um, episode, I was on the phone with my friend and he said to me, he was like, oh, who are you talking to? I was like, oh, I've got my coach, Damon, coming in. Um, we're talking about being comfortable in the uncomfortable. And he goes, oh, you got to ask him if he knows who David Goggins is. <laughs> and from the moment you said, there's this guy, David Goggins, I was like, I got to give, I got to give him a shout out. Because he said, just ask him, I'm sure he would know. And I was like, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he provided a blueprint. I met him. I yeah. went to his concert. Did you actually? Or a concert. I went to his uh, speaking engagement. Yeah. Paid extra to meet him. Walked up on stage. Yeah. And this guy laid out the blueprint. Yeah. He's done it. And he's still doing it. And I walked up on stage. I'm thinking, what do you say to a guy who's been so influential in your life? I walked right up to him. He was trying to give me the standard, shake the hand, take the photo. I grabbed him, brought him in for the hug. <laughs> and said, hey, man, I said, my name's Damon. I'm from Saginaw, Michigan. And I'm a retired basketball player who went soft. He said, really? I said, yeah. I said, I just want to thank you, man. I said, I got it from here. He's like, 
Cool. Yeah. I got it from here. I got it from here. I got it from here. And that's what you be doing to everybody else now. We're all here. Like We got it from here. Mm. It's a work in progress. We're learning. We're all works in progress. But God, there is. this was a row 59 chat. This was a row 59 chat. Whenever we talk. We really do. Mm. We, we really do be dropping gems. And I, 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 we need our own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we need our own podcast. Because I reckon we've been talking for damn near two hours and we could keep going. That's the worst part is when we, best part. When we were on our way to Singapore, we had an eight-hour time period. I think we talked for five hours. <laughs> and and our team manager, uh, the physio, she was asleep on one side and she rolled over and she's like, oh, they're still gone. And then she rolled back asleep. It's like there's so there's so much here that falls under this <laughs> mindset and the the mission – it's more than just this physical challenge. It's that's not what it is. No. And I, I hope that people listen to this and realize it, challenge yourself to hear the real message here and don't just hear the physical things that Damon's doing. Don't just hear, oh, he ran 80Ks, he put this weight vest on. Don't hear that part. Hear the hear the mental challenges, hear the real purpose of what he's trying to do. And then take a look in that accountability mirror and ask you why that makes you uncomfortable what he's doing because if what Damon's doing is making you uncomfortable that is a reflection of yourself Mm. and those are some questions you need to ask yourself and on that note I just want to say thank you so much for coming in Damon I really appreciate it I can't wait to listen this one back I really can't Um, it's been a pleasure this is Under the Surface with Damon Lowry and I'm Emily Maley that was Under the Surface If this episode brought up any concerns for you, we recommend you call Lifeline on 13 11 14.